You're listening to Kyle Warren. Fires raging across Northern California today after some 11,000 lightning strikes over the last day or so sparked almost 400 new fires in the state. And we have gusty winds, we have high heat conditions. Two people have already died fighting these fires. Very, very sad indeed. Thousands evacuated, structures burned, homes burned. It is a very, very bad situation. We'll tell you about it on the program today. Also, what happened last night at the Democrat National Convention? Barack Obama and others are telling people to go out and vote? What? Are they worried? Stay with us, folks. All right. Welcome, everyone, around the globe and across the net. Kyle Warren with you. And welcome as we race into and rocket into this Thursday edition of the program. It is Thursday, August the 20th, 2020. And yeah, are they worried? Yeah, I, I kind of think they are. And I'll tell you why as we uh, get into the broadcast today. That was the mess. That was the takeaway last night. I think they're they're desperately worried that that people just aren't going to go out and vote for them. And uh, so I'll get into that. Uh, But first, of course, let me give you a quick program note. I will be a guest later on this evening on the Captain's America Third Watch radio program. That all happens live later on at 11.05 p.m. Pacific, 2.05 a.m. Eastern Time. Simply go to KyleWarrenShow.com for links to listen live to the Captain's uh, program. Captain Matt Bruce, of course, uh, coming live from his flagship station of AM860, The Answer, there in Tampa, Florida, Going out along the Salem Media Group of stations and also up on the GCN satellite as well. The captain and I will have a complete wrap-up of all of the day's uh, coronavirus-related issues, the politics that are wrapped up in it, of course. Um, Also, by that time, uh, we'll have the latest, of course, on Joe Biden's speech uh, later on, I believe, uh, at the uh, DNC. Uh, So we'll have the latest on that, plus the other news that you need to be hearing about that you might not be hearing about uh, Uh, in the mainstream media. So again, it all happens later on tonight in the Captain's America Third Watch radio program. Simply go to kylewarrenshow.com for links to listen live. Um, All right, so on the program today, thank you, by the way, again, for listening to this program today because we do have an awful lot to talk about. We'll talk about the fires. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, what's happening with Kim Jong-un in North Korea. Also, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the U.S. demand to restore sanctions, UN sanctions, against Iran. It's called the snapback. We'll tell you why, and uh, we'll tell you why this is so very important and at a crucial, crucial time. Uh, why this uh, needs to be done because literally, Mideast peace absolutely hangs in the balance, I believe, and we'll tell you why uh, today on the uh, on the program. Also, Nancy Pelosi is out there telling people this according to the ap that it's all gonna come down to wisconsin it's all gonna come down to wisconsin and uh well if that's the case if that's the case um then uh, wait a minute i I thought they were winning in all these uh swing states it was all this was going to be a cakewalk uh for the um uh for the democrats but i saw a friend tom del baccaro he posted uh this ap article earlier 
and uh, you know, basically, basically is pointing out that well, wait a minute, you know, uh, you know, is this is this a sign basically that they know that the polls that they're seeing aren't really accurate? Uh, doesn't really tell the tale. Now, of course, you know this, I know this. Um, you know, we know that people are out there, they're getting ready to vote for Donald Trump again. And people also, in many cases, are getting ready to vote for Donald Trump for the very first time. Either it's their first time being able to vote or they are simply saying to themselves, Donald Trump came into office and he kept his promises. Things were getting better. We understand about the COVID-19 pandemic. That was uh, an economy, a terrible, terrible blow to the economy. But there was nothing organically wrong with the economy. People understand that. They understand that um, whatever walk of life they came from, uh, whatever community they came from, um, things the rising tide was lifting all the boats. And Donald Trump was the architect of that uh, through his policies and through his encouragements and through the ability to uh, enact uh, the legislation, uh, you know, to bring about the uh, uh, tax cuts and so forth. All these things helped people, but the Democrats know that that's not what they want at all, because what was happening is people were unifying, people were doing better, and people were happy with things uh, going up and up and up, um, generally speaking, in, in the economy. The opportunities uh, were, were, were there, perhaps as never before, in, in a very, very long time. So Nancy Pelosi saying it's all coming down to Wisconsin. Well, let's, let's go ahead and get right into it, because then we'll do that, and we'll, we'll, then we'll talk a little bit about the fires, and then uh, we'll go back to the DNC, because what went on with Barack Obama's speech last night, and even Kamala Harris's speech, um, was uh, so uh, telling, I think, um, and not so much Kamala Harris's speech, but what she said early on before the convention convened, basically. And this is all the same thing. Look, you know, we're, you know, we're going to help you vote. You know, text vote to Joe 30330 or something. And we're going to help you get, you know, get your vote done. And we're going to give you information and all this kind of stuff. This seemed to be the takeaway from the DNC last night that, you know, we're kind of worried that nobody's really going to go out and vote for us. We're, we're, we're kind of worried that this isn't really going to materialize. So we're going to have to try to do something um, in order to try to bolster the vote. And also, and I think even almost more importantly, we're going to set the stage so that when Donald Trump wins, we're going to be able to say Donald Trump did something to steal the election and people weren't able to vote or they their votes weren't counted because remember the new the new paradigm. The new paradigm we live in in America, even down to the county and city council level, it seems, is if the Democrat is not one, we haven't counted all the votes. So we have to keep counting, quote unquote, counting votes until the Democrat wins. And how do we know when we've counted all the votes? You guessed it. The Democrat has won. And so that's sort of the new paradigm. But uh, and I'm being a little bit silly, but the idea, I think, is really sound. This is this is what they want to do. And they want to be able to, I think, set the stage so that there can be uh, a, a more chaos than you've ever seen after a presidential election. So this from AP. 
House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and former Attorney General Eric Holder delivered a stark reminder to Wisconsin Democrats on Thursday about the importance the battleground state plays to the presidential election less than 11 weeks away. No pressure. It's all riding on Wisconsin, Pelosi told the more than more than 100 Democrats during a virtual meeting tied to the final day of the Democrat National Convention. No pressure. Democrats, as well as President Donald Trump, have made no secret how essential winning Wisconsin is to the race this year. Wisconsin did not get the national attention it hoped for when the Democrat convention originally planned for Milwaukee moved online. But Trump and his surrogates have flooded the state this week, drawing a sharp contrast with Democrat nominee uh, Joe Biden, who decided against traveling to the state to accept the nomination due to concerns over over COVID-19. So a couple of different things going on here. Again, I, I totally agree. I think if they are saying these kinds of things and they are acting the way that they're acting generally, they understand and they know that President Trump is in an incredibly great position to win re-election. And I say this because all of the stuff that the Democrats have tried have absolutely failed. Uh, you know, they've been trying to get him out of office and all this kind of stuff. But by doing so and not even trying to work a little bit with President Trump to get some things passed. And I, here's a great example. DACA. They could have written their ticket on DACA and President Trump would have signed it. They could have held it up and said, look, we have a success. But they didn't want to do it because they didn't want to give they did, they did not want to give Trump a win. And so all the stuff they did, people are just turned off. They're turned off by the Democrats. And by the way, and please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Have any of the Democrats in these speeches at the DNC convention, has, have any of them condemned the violence and called for an You're end to it? To Kyle Warren. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Coming in for a landing means a pilot must balance crucial factors, including airspeed, flaps, and rate of descent. A pilot must also be prepared for the unexpected, such as engine failure and wind shear. When it comes to your income property, having the right pilot at the controls can mean the difference between a safe landing and one that will cost you. Investors Property Services. We manage income property. www.investorshq.com if you're a veteran looking to file for your service-connected benefits through the Department of Veterans Affairs, don't go it alone. AMVET's highly trained service officers stand ready to walk you through the process at VA regional offices around the country, helping you to navigate the complex VA system free of charge. With new presumptions for Agent Orange exposure and other conditions, AMVETS can offer you the advice you need to finally receive all of your earned benefits. In 2009 alone, AMVETS helped process more than 65,000 claims and appeals, securing more than $410 million in benefits. To find your nearest AMVET service officer or to learn more, visit after a long, hard day in the rough-and-tumble world of politics, open a tall, cool Kyle Warren show. Ah, that crisp, refreshing taste. That smooth style. That effervescing attitude. And without all that other stuff that can, well, 
bog you down. Helping to put back what the daily media assault takes away, listen to The Kyle Warren Show weekdays right here on this station and visit the website at kylewarrenshow.com. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook. Class is in session with the professor of politics, Kyle Warren. Yes, it is. And thank you, Mr. Ron Edwards. And uh, we'll hear from Ron a little bit later on in the program. And folks, if you like what we do here on the program, we encourage you to subscribe to the program and share the program on your social media with your friends so that we get the word out about the show. A lot of you have been doing this. I'm so very, very grateful. You can go to kylewarrenshow.com. There you'll find links where you can subscribe and share. And also you can join me on Facebook and uh, friend me on Facebook. And you can also join me on Twitter as well. Check out my video pick of the day. And we keep going up and up and up, just like the music was doing just a few moments ago. And that's because of you, the listeners, and uh, from different states, uh, from different areas. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. And uh, again, uh, we're, we're going up and it's because of you. All right. So again, uh, we were talking a little bit about the, um, uh, the uh, what Nancy Pelosi had said. And again, I, I do think that there is a I just think this is a major tell, you know, and, and poker games and things like that. I mean, you know, if if the you know, somebody has this tell where, you know, if they're making a bet, they don't really not really serious about it kind of thing. Um, because the Democrats should be acting you know, they could be just acting above the fray and they could be making their convention about how wonderful it will be when the, you know, Democrat socialists take over or something like that. And by the way, I think there's a real internal struggle going on there, too. You know, they gave AOC a minute, 60 seconds to to talk, basically. And uh, she is probably one of the major defining faces of the Democrat Party at this point. And so you see how they're trying to even kind of sideline her a bit because they know that this this doesn't sell across the highways and byways of the land. But she wasted no time, of course, talking about Bernie Sanders and all the great stuff that they can do and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it's it's um, it's it's things are not it's not one big happy party. I, I got to tell you that much. Um, and so again, but if the Democrats really believed all these polls, if they really believed that uh, Trump is just losing and losing badly, uh, and that's just this is going to be a cakewalk, they would be acting much differently. They would be, I think, taking a much higher road. They they would be uh, talking with soaring rhetoric and all this kind of stuff. But but they're not doing it. And just as we went to the break, I asked a very good question, and that is, have we heard? any of the Democrats in their speeches or even just talking at the national convention, talking to reporters, whatever, have, have the Democrats condemned the violence in the streets? Have they said this must stop? This is not America. We can't have uh, Antifa beating people. We can't have uh, other people, anybody beating anybody. That's just not, just not the way we roll, but they haven't. 
as far as I know, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, show me the Democrats who are calling for complete, well, you may say Lori Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot um, did uh, make some comments, of course, about the recent rioting and looting in Chicago, saying, well, this wasn't part of a protest. So I'll give you that. But uh, generally speaking, uh, especially when all this was coming down, have we heard Democrats literally come out and just unequivocally say this has got to stop because it's wrong, right? Okay, I don't know that we have. And again, if you have um, sources for that, send them to me. I want to hear them. I want to know about them. Uh, But at any rate, yes, so we've got the... uh, We've got the Democrat National Convention going on. Uh, we've got um, Kamala Harris who spoke. We also had Barack Obama who spoke. Now on CNN, there was of course a panel discussion. It had Gloria Borger uh, and uh, uh, and others, David Axelrod uh, and others, talking with uh, Anderson Cooper. I want you to hear what Gloria Borger talked about uh, for Barack Obama's speech, which also one of the main takeaways was we've got to, you've got to vote and we've got to find, you've got to help your friend vote and all this other stuff. They're terrified that nobody's going to go vote for them. In fact, the uh, coverage for the, um, for the early on the first night or so forth of the, uh, of the convention was down like 48% or something from 2016. And they say, well, no, it was all online. But again, if it was all online, fine. That's fine. Well, then what are the numbers? Uh, What are the numbers online? And I don't think they're going to tell us the numbers online. Uh, I think they are looking at these numbers, these coverage numbers of people watching on on TV and whatnot, and they're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, you know, something is really, really wrong. But let's listen to Gloria Borger on CNN. Anderson, and just watching this unfold tonight, I have to say that watching Barack Obama, this was not a convention speech. This was sort of the new definition of the fierce urgency of now. And I could see him uh, in the Oval Office. It was intimate and it was chilling and he was declaring a national emergency. And what he was doing was saying, I need you to save democracy. Nothing less. Yes, he talked about what he believes, et cetera, et cetera. But this was on a higher plane. This was the emergency and he is saying you know you've got to do this now and you could you could see it in his voice and you could see it in him let me just read a couple of lines that everything depends on the outcome of this election 76 days do not let them take away your power do not let them take away your democracy make a plan right now he talked to to white factory workers to black mothers to new immigrants to to young people uh and again, he repeated that refrain, what we do echoes through the generation. Right. And, and so, he, so he's saying, don't let them do this to our country. They can't take the democracy away from us. And so this was sort of a, a creed de corps. I don't know what you want to call it, but, but a president talking to the country, former president talking to the country and declaring an emergency. Okay, yeah. stop right there. Okay. Um, you know, wow. Um you know, number one, it just, it's all patently absurd, uh, first of all. Uh, but again, you know, they, this notion that somehow democracy is being taken away from you, 
Um, you know, and part of that, of course, is the setup of, well, Donald Trump has ruined the post office, which now ruins the election, which means it's illegitimate. And therefore, when we uh, really raise uh, a ruckus after the election is over and Donald Trump has won, then we'll feel like we have some kind of justification for that. You know, I kind of think that might be where that whole post office thing is going. But otherwise, you know, people go out and vote. I mean, people went out and voted for Barack Obama and they voted for him twice. You know, the country elected Barack Obama twice to the presidency. And then because the country was able to see exactly what the result of Obama's policies were, then they decided to go in a different direction, a very different direction with Donald Trump. And Donald Trump won the election. But again, they could never accept this uh, because the polls told them that Hillary Clinton was going to win. Not only did the polls tell them that, but they thought it was just the natural eventuality that Hillary Clinton was just it was her turn. She was supposed to be president. And when that didn't happen because the voters rejected Hillary Clinton and Obama 2.0, basically, well, then they just had a conniption fit collectively and they just can't they just can't compute this. It just makes no sense. So now now here comes Barack Obama coming out and attacking uh, President Trump and going on and on. And suddenly, suddenly now, according to Gloria Borger, this is the clarion call to save our democracy. It's the fierce urgency of now. And again, it's all this stuff sort of strung together and, and it and it sounds like like words and stuff like that. But but it's not really I mean, it just doesn't it doesn't comport with reality because people across the highways and byways of the land, Gloria, might keep their own counsel on who they want to vote for. A lot of people really believe, I think for good reason, that Donald Trump has has established the environment for people to have great opportunity. Now, what we have seen seized upon as the result of the protests in the wake of the George Floyd death is now, is now that it's really all America's fault. Everything about America is wrong and bad. Donald Trump is now personifying that for them. And so, you know, everything has to now be seen through the lens that America is uh, evil and terrible and bad, um, which I, I don't think most people believe. And I don't think, and by the way, by the way, who was it that, didn't Barack Obama tell us that it was virtually impossible to rig an election uh, because it was far too disparate and far too spread out and, and you know, uh, uh, not compartmentalized, but it was, it's it, too many, too many factors, basically. And that was back when they thought they were all going to sail to Hillary Clinton victory. And it was all going to be easy. And so Donald Trump saying, hey, I don't know, then people might try to pull some stuff on this. Oh, that's ridiculous because it's just too big and all this kind of stuff. And now here we go. The shoe's just on the other foot now, I guess. Donald Trump's ruined the post office. Donald Trump's is taking away our democracy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it just doesn't ring true. 
It, it, it doesn't ring true. So when I heard these comments, I was really just quite taken aback. But again, it, this is the, all this is there to do is to terrify people. It's to scare people. It's to make people think that Donald Trump, you know, he's going to take away our democracy. And then or even so, he's going to stay in the Oval Office and then we'll have to have the military go in and get him and all this kind of stuff. It's just ridiculous on its face. OK, folks, stay right there. When we come back, we'll tell you about the fires. North Korea and much more. You're listening to Kyle Warren. Hi, folks. This is Kyle Warren. A short time out, then back with more. So stay right there. Hi, folks. This is Kyle Warren. Stay tuned for the Edwards Notebook right here on the Kyle Warren Show. At one time, people who fought against oppression sought to replace it with liberty. But my, how times have changed. Hello, I'm... Ron Edwards, on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. Bernal Tremell, owner of Expression Publications in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, was murdered by a gun blast to the head, not because he was rioting, raping, or defacing private property, but simply because he was an individual who realized that continuing to vote Democrat was equal to setting one's life on a path to a dead-end existence. Tremell would quietly stand on city street corners, holding Vote Trump signs as well as signs plastered with biblical verses, was murdered in broad daylight by a typical socialist-oriented black person who obviously did not appreciate Mr. Trammell's right to freely express his views peacefully. Detectives say that they are investigating the possibility that Bernal Trammell was murdered for his political views. Law enforcement sources said that a suspect drove up and shot Trammell in front of his own business. Tramel's murder only strengthens my resolve to fight for our unalienable rights. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. You're listening to Kyle Warren. All right, welcome back, everybody. Kyle Warren with you. Welcome back as we continue racing through and rocketing through this Thursday edition of the program. And if it's the Thursday edition, it can only mean one thing, and that is tomorrow will be the Friday slash weekend edition. That's right. We're singing host does make his contractually mandated and obligatory appearance on the program. And, uh, well, Singing Host has been uh, getting out a little bit more uh, these days, (laughs) I'm happy to say. Uh, And uh, you may hear Singing Host a little bit on the Captain's America Third Watch radio program, second hour, second segment. And um, Singing Host gets to do a little little thing. I'll just tell you that much right now. (laughs) Singing, you might hear Singing Host, second hour, second segment of the Captain's America. And uh, so be sure to be sure to tune in. You won't be dis- you won't be di- you won't be disappointed, basically. All right. OK, welcome back to the show. And we are going to talk about North Korea. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit more about the DNC, of course. Um, but let's let's talk a little bit about what's going on with these fires. Uh, this is so terrible what we are witnessing up in northern California. Um, and uh, this from NBC News, 
about 20 fires that were being tracked as a single SCU or Santa Clara uh, unit lightning fire complex had consumed 102,000 acres with about 5% containment by Wednesday night. According to Cal Fire, blazes are in counties of Santa Clara, Alameda, Contra Costa, San Joaquin, and Stanislaus. No structures have been destroyed, but more than 3,700 homes, or at least structures as they're being described, have been threatened. Eight fires connected to lightning strikes in Napa and Sonoma counties called the LNU, or Sonoma Lake Napa Unit, lightning complex fire had grown to 124,100 acres by Wednesday night, destroying 105 structures, threatening 25,000. It was 0% contained, according to Cal Fire. Four people described as civilians have been injured. Five fires in San Mateo and Santa Cruz counties, dubbed the CZU August Lightning Complex, broke out on Monday night and had scorched 25,000 acres by Wednesday. Uh, the complex was 0% contained. Cal Fire said at least 20 structures considered single-family residences have been destroyed, but the damage assessment process was just beginning. In San Mateo and Santa Cruz County fires, about 22,000 people were ordered to evacuate from the region, which is marked by dense wooded parkland. Uh, there are other evacuation orders uh, going on for the CZU, SCU, and LNU blazes. Uh, Deputy Chief Sean Cavanaugh said residents should also feel free to leave on their own before a formal order is implemented. And I will tell you, um, you know, I live in Southern California and uh, we had a fire a couple of years ago that came very, very close uh, to our community. In fact, there were um, uh, evacuation orders underway and everybody's phone starts going off. And I remember that day very well. Um, but everybody's phones start going off because you've got the Santa Ana winds blowing, you've got the hot temperatures, you've got fires, you've got smoke in the sky, and then your phone starts uh, blaring uh, evacuation orders uh, implemented for, and then they give you the different cutoffs and so forth. Well, uh, it said get ready to go. So that's exactly what we were doing. Um, and then uh, the cutoff was actually um, the street uh, just right next to my street which uh and so we weren't uh, mandatory to evacuate but we were packed we were we were really ready to go out the driveway at that point that's that's exactly and we stayed that way for quite some time until the winds shifted um but it is a very very upsetting thing it's a very very terrible thing to have to go through so my heart's just my heart just goes out to the people who have to uh, uh either get ready to evacuate or have had to evacuate um and uh, it is uh, it just it's literally chaos and uh it's no fun but uh, firefighters uh, we understand two people have died uh, this also from NBC News, at least two people have died helping to fight California wildfires that forced thousands to flee their homes, destroying over 100 structures, led to the evacuation of an Air Force base and covered large swaths of the Bay Area in smoke. Uh, PG&E utility worker died while helping first responders battle one complex or group of fires in Northern California. The utility company said out of respect for the worker's family would not release further details. A helicopter pilot was also killed in a crash 
while on a water dropping mission Wednesday, Wednesday morning at the Hills Fire around nine miles south of Colinga in the San Joaquin Valley. So the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection or CAL FIRE pilot worked for a private country uh, company contracted by the agency so again um this is uh, deadly and it is dangerous and uh um, and of course, uh, Captain Matt Bruce, of course, a retired fire captain, uh, he has a lot to say about uh, when these fires come and how they're fought and so forth. And then also uh, feels, uh, uh, I know, a great uh, special uh, uh, sadness uh, to hear when people uh, die fighting fires, uh, as, as do I, of course. Uh, Captain Matt Bruce, of course, having been through uh, some of the worst fires, of course, people could ever think of. So uh, it is really something. Um, Okay, so let's let's continue here. Let's tell you what's going on uh, with uh, Kim Jong-un. This from Newsmax. Kim Jong-un issued a dire warning for North Korea's economy amid reports that he delegated some power to his sister, including responsibility for relations with the United States. Kim told a gathering, uh, and Kim told a gathering, a, a ruling of ruling party leaders that the country quote faced unexpected and inevitable challenges in various aspects, and that his development goals have been seriously delayed. State media said Thursday. The unusually candid assessment comes as sanctions, flooding, uh, and the coronavirus pandemic push the North Korean economy toward what is expected to be its worst uh, contraction in more than two decades. Hours later, South Korean lawmakers told reporters that the country's spy agency determined that Kim had delegated responsibility for relations with Seoul and Washington to his younger sister, Kim Yo-jong. While she had taken an increasingly public role in in diplomatic matters, such as responding to a letter from U.S. President Donald Trump earlier this year, the lawmakers described a more formal power-sharing arrangement. Intelligence Committee member Hai uh, Tai Kung, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, who was among National Assembly lawmakers briefed by the spy agency Thursday, said the move didn't indicate that Kim was adopting a more collective leadership system to China's Communist Party. The absolute power of Kim Jong-un is being shared under the current leadership style in North Korea, he said, adding that Kim still retained ultimate control. Now, of course, all of this going on while we hear uh, other reports that uh, they are continuing or have access and have built basically several other uh, nuclear weapons, according to reports. So this is, and by the way, there's a reduced um, uh, sort of military maneuver that's going on right now uh, as well um, with South Korea and the United States uh, training maneuvers and so forth. Uh, so tensions uh, can be uh, can change literally overnight. But this is an interesting thing. Uh, what will that mean? Will does that mean that they will have more of an ability to uh, to to uh, uh, you know talk with the United States and perhaps get some kind of um, of uh, relaxations going and so forth? Not necessarily in the country, but just in terms of the of uh, what they project to the outside world. Uh, we'll just have to see if his sister has anything to do with that. But obviously, there is such a terrible situation going on in North Korea um, for the people there um, and their economy. I think they've gotten devastated in so many ways by coronavirus. Uh, you know, again, we don't have all the facts on that, 
but it just it just stands to reason. Um, and once again, the the best thing that Kim Jong-un could ever do, and he's not going to do it anytime soon, I know that because of the influence of China and all these kinds of things, but, um, you know, the good, the good of the North Korean people uh, is really at stake, and he could do something, but unfortunately, I don't think that will happen anytime soon. Okay, when we come back, we have so much more to tell you about. Stay right there. You're listening to Kyle Warren. This is Chicago-style hot dog here. I'm not feeling too good. Turns out, along with all the other bad things my cholesterol does, they say it's a risk factor for strokes. Strokes? Sheesh. Good news from National Stroke Association. Exercising, eating right, and asking your doctor about medicines that can help lower your cholesterol, like statins, may reduce the risk of a first stroke. And if you've already had a stroke, it's even more important you lower your cholesterol. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. Hey, John, I just heard you got a new computer. Congratulations. Thanks. It's the coolest thing. What will you do with your old computer? I don't know. I guess I'll just throw it away. Well, my company just bought new computers, and we decided to donate the old PCs to a place that gives them to local schools. You could do something like that. Seriously, who would want a three-year-old computer? Hey, it might be great for someone else. Computers can be refurbished and reused instead of ending up in the trash. By passing it on, you can help the community and the environment. If you're replacing your company's IT equipment or you're finished using your personal computer, pass it on to a local organization that accepts computers. To learn more, log on to epa.gov slash pass it on. This message was brought to you by EPA, Dell, Intel, HP, NEC, Philips, and this radio station on behalf of EPA's plug-in to e-cycling partnership. EPA does not endorse any commercial services or products of these groups. For information on all partners, log on to epa.gov slash plug-in. In sports, five games were featured in Hockey Action last year. Every year, millions of people rely on portable generators when they lose access to electricity. But some of them don't understand that a portable generator's carbon monoxide emissions can kill if their generators are used indoors. So we're here to clear the air. Always take your generator outside, away from windows and doors. When you take it outside, you distance yourself from the dangers of carbon monoxide. For more safety tips, visit TakeYourGeneratorOutside.com. Have you saved a life today? We organize a blood drive at our school. My blood type is O. They really need that. Have you saved a life today? I have cancer, but I make sure all my friends know how important it is to give blood. My blood helps heart patients or accident victims. Have you saved a life today? No, but today, someone's blood saved my son. The American Red Cross. Call 1-800-GIVE-LIFE. Hi, folks. This is Kyle Warren. I'd like to hear from you about the things we're talking about on the program. Go to KyleWarrenShow.com, click on Send Kyle a Message, or send it to my Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Show. I'm Ron Edwards, host of The Edwards Notebook, and you're being schooled by Kyle Warren. The Professor of Politics. All right, thank you again, Mr. Ron Edwards, and welcome back to the Thursday edition of the program, folks. We continue racing through, rocketing through, continuing to talk about the news of the day and, of course, the politics of it all. I've got to tell you, there are, it is, 
To say that we uh, are living in very interesting times is uh, an understatement. That is for sure. You thought 2016, we all thought 2016 was really a roller coaster, but in terms of the election, but the 2020 election, I think, will be even more so, uh, not just because of everything else about 2020. Um, I know so many people who are going to be happy to get out of 2020 uh, only because of obviously the coronavirus issue, uh, but the shutdown, the economic impact. I have friends that still can't open the doors to their businesses uh, because of the restrictions in California. Uh, Some 10 California schools, though, have been granted waivers, we understand. I think this is not just in the Orange County area. It might be statewide. I got to check on that. But uh, uh, basically, schools were able to apply for a waiver to the school shutdowns. Uh, This affects, I think, mostly um, uh, like kindergarten through sixth grade. And uh, so I think 10 schools so far have been able to um, to get the okay to open, which they would open next week, I believe. So this is um, an interesting sort of step. Um, And then for um, older kids, the uh, uh, junior high and high school, maybe another couple of weeks. And again, it depends on these um, on these numbers, uh, hospitalizations, uh, positive tests and and so on and so forth. Um, So hopefully we'll be able to see kids go back to school. But that in and of itself is also going to be a major, major controversy. So we'll see what happens with teachers. We'll see what happens with parents, with administrators. Um, And so, again, fasten your seatbelts. 2020 is not over yet. And speaking about not being over yet uh, in um, in Iran, of course, Iran continues to try to exert itself in uh, or assert itself, I should say, in the Middle East. And as we talked about the other day, um, having the United Arab Emirates come on with a peace uh, with a peace deal with Israel. That's huge. First time in 25 years. The first major step forward in Mideast peace in 25 years. And, of course, the Democrats, I guess, could care less about it. I, I guess the Democrat Party elite. Um, but, uh, again, because it's a Trump, it's, it's, good for, it's a good thing Trump did, right? And you, now you just can't have that. But uh, President Trump, the Trump administration, this from Newsmax, Trump administration on Thursday formally notified the United Nations of its demand for all U.N. sanctions on Iran to be restored, setting off an immediate confrontation with Russia and other Security Council members who called the U.S. move illegal. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's uh, delivered the notification to the president of the U.N. Security Council, citing significant Iranian violations of the 2015 nuclear deal, a requirement to, quote, snap back U.N. sanctions. Pompeo tweeted the United States is determined to make sure that the Iranian regime doesn't have the capacity to inflict even more harm on the world. Now, some would say, well, Obama and Biden, to some, I'm sure, lesser degree, uh, you know, and Kerry, really, um, had this nuclear deal with Iran. And it was a terrible deal. And we all know it. And uh, to, to, uh, uh, you know, in President Trump's way, it was a total disaster. And I I believe it. And that's exactly what it was. And and one of the ways that it was a total disaster is that it never restricted Iran from doing things with conventional weapons and so forth. 
So Iran, as I said, continues to want to assert itself in the Middle East, assert its hegemony, assert its influence. It doesn't want peace with Israel. That's the last thing in the world. It wants uh, peace. Uh, who, who they want peace with is Israel. And they have made that abundantly clear. And um, so Iran is really staying standing in the way now by weakening Iran through these uh, sanctions. And that is to say, weakening the Iranian regime. That is the best way in order to get the other Arab states online with peace agreements with Israel. That is the best foot forward in this. And I think one of the reasons, as we talked about earlier in the week, uh, Tom Del Bacaro's piece was so good. Uh, you know, the UAE sees this. They saw what was happening. And so they're able to say, OK, Iran's not going to be as fa- a factor as much so we can we can move forward. Other countries can move forward as well. This is how you get from A to B. This these this is these are results. OK. And uh, that's what President Trump is trying to bring about. So, of course, um, the U.N., there's going to be a lot of pushback. Europe is going to, uh, you know, be afraid that this is going to make Iran just get on a fast track to building their nuclear weapon. And guess what? I think they're on a fast track to building a nuclear weapon anyway. And I think we're going to have to deal with that at some point. But right now, these sanctions and especially the snapback will go a long, long way to doing a lot of good in weakening the regime. Now, the people of Iran, similar to the people of North Korea, in many cases, uh, they're not direct similarities necessarily, but uh, it's not one to one. But it's very similar in insofar as that the Iranian people, I, I don't think, are on in lockstep with the mullahs necessarily and uh, so we have to be able to give them a chance um as well and so you know all this talk about attacking our democracy and all these kinds of things a lot of people live in different countries in the world they would give anything obviously to be able to choose their leaders and these kinds of things it's it's a it's a really really big deal it it really really is um okay in the time we have left here uh, today, let's take a look at. Uh, let's see if we can find this here. Um, yes, this from CNBC. Uh, an appeals court grants Uber and Lyft a temporary reprieve following threats to shut down in California. Uh, California appeals court extended the length of time Uber and Lyft will have to comply with an order. This is from the state, basically requiring them to reclassify rideshare drivers as employees. As a result, Uber and Lyft said that they would continue operating in California during the stay after threatening to, uh, after threatening to suspend service. The temporary reprieve gives Uber and Lyft until 5 p.m. Pacific time on August 25th to file written statements agreeing to expedited procedures stated in the order. Uber and Lyft stocks were both up 6% following the order. Both stocks had fallen into the negative after Lyft announced earlier Thursday it would suspend service in California at midnight Pacific time, but reversed its decision after the appeals court granted an additional time. An Uber spokesman said the company would continue to operate in California during the stay. Uh, Now, basically what's going on here, as the article explains, California attorney uh, Attorney General Xavier Becerra had requested the injunction as a part of a May lawsuit 
alleged that alleged that Uber and Lyft violated the state's new labor law known as Assembly Bill 5, AB5, which aimed to grant benefits to gig economy workers. Becerra and city attorneys from San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego claimed that by violating the law, Uber and Lyft were skirting expenses like payroll taxes and unemployment insurance for their workers. Now, it's quite interesting. Now, Lyft um, has uh, gone online, I believe, and they are actually uh, they've actually got a statement. And I think I have it here. Um, I think I, I think I have it here. Uh, what they're talking about is they're talking about their drivers. They say four out of at least from what Lyft says, they say four out of five drivers don't want this thing where they're reclassified as employees because uh, they say that they're going to get, um, you know, uh, sal- uh, capped hourly earnings. Uh, they um, uh, they don't have to w- want to work scheduled shifts, basically, uh, that they're independent contractors. And uh, that's changes the whole business model around for Lyft. So it's going to be interesting to see now. And of course, if they decide to suspend their operations while they fight it, if they don't want to go through on all this, then that means that a lot of people who are having some kind of job right now, even with the reduced amount of ridership, they may find themselves not making any money uh, in California. And then, of course, other people who are trying to use the service to get to places uh, either because they don't have a car or they don't have a job and or whatever it is um, that, uh, that they're going to suffer as well. So I think you'll find that the sentiment on this might might uh, go against uh, 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 Becerra and, and, and the California state government and so forth. So we'll, 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 we will have to see uh, on that. Um, but again, folks, uh, we're watching the Democrat National Convention, so you don't have to. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things, and I don't think a lot of people are. And by the way, when Joe Biden came out last night, and the captain and I talked about this earlier this morning on his program, Joe Biden walks out into the stage after uh, Kamala Harris does her speech. He kind of walks out and he's kind of waving and he's kind of looking around and he's he mouths the words what now he's kind of looking around and and so i don't know i mean given the benefit of the doubt i guess and say maybe he meant like like okay now what like okay like almost like it's a joke but i i I didn't really take it like that that wasn't really the context of it it seemed more to me that he was kind of going okay well i've come out i've waved how long does this go on? You know, what now? What, what, what do I do? What do I do now? Do I, do I go over to her? Or do I have to stay socially distant? And this actually, I'm so glad that I thought of this uh, right now, right before we uh, run out of time here. And that is, you know, uh, like, for example, President Trump was in Pennsylvania today. Okay, I think he was in, even in Scranton. I think he was. Uh, but President Trump's out there. He's going to be talking and he talks to reporters all the time and he's constantly taking questions and he's constantly going and going and going. And Joe Biden stays in the basement and uh, didn't want to go to Milwaukee. Uh, it's a big deal because he didn't want to get, you know, for COVID-19 concerns. But let me ask you this. What if Joe Biden became president? I mean, is he going to simply is he going to be isolated in the White House? Is he going to be able to go places or see anybody or do anything? Good question. All right, folks, we'll see you on the radio tonight. Take care out there.